Unfiltered Free Range American Podcast, presented by BlackRifleCoffee.com. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Free Range American. We have uh, an episode today that I'm excited for because I think we're just going to subject the audience to you and I going down a nostalgic rabbit hole, Jeremy. <laughs> I can handle it. I can handle it. <laughs> but it's going to be pretty fun because uh, you and I are the same age. So, and you are an astounding filmmaker and I try to pride myself as a filmmaker. So I, I finally have someone to talk to you about the, the same things that I felt inspired me growing up with someone that I think was on the same timeline. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, you know, I know that uh, you, st I was reading some, because, because I know that you started as a film in, in film and I, I was reading on your bio and you started with VHS or you started with eight mil. Yeah. I started with eight millimeter. See, uh, I, had v I was VHS. Well, yes. If we go back to like when I was tw 10, I mean, there, I do have a VHS movie we made uh, with the whole shoulder rig uh, yeah, yeah. that we had to edit on two VCRs. Yeah, so man. there was that. And then it, it just, it seemed like right as I crested eighth grade, ninth grade is when the high school got their first Avid machine. Got it. And then that's when uh, they, they had a capture card. And so we went with the, the first eight millimeter high eight and then tried, tried the whole camcorder, plugging into the computer editing. And that's when it all just went downhill or uphill. However we look at it. Was it Vegas? Is that what you used to edit to start out? What was the, what was the, you used Avid to start. See, yeah, I was, was, I was, was much Avid. more makeshift. I didn't have a school with it. I did uh we have a hat that says quality cinema since VHS. And most people are like, what does that mean? But man, <laughs> slow-mo for me was pause, 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 pause. For, yeah, for just frame trips. by frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so please uh, tell the audience about yourself, your company real quick, like what you've been doing the last, you know, few years as you, you, you know, you've been kind of doing a lot of big things the last couple of years. Uh, fill us in on it and then you and I can jump all the way back to about 1994. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I founded Ironclad. We do... Um, Digital cinema. So, you know, basically anything from action sports, activewear, tactical, uh, filmmaking. We're actually working on a pilot right now out here in South Carolina. Um, but I started Ironclad about 10 years ago and we started in action sports. And so we worked with companies like Vans and Billabong. And uh, one thing led to another. And I'm based, we're based out of Virginia Beach. So being out of Virginia Beach, this was, you know, I, I, I grew up with a bunch of dudes that became, SEAL team members when I was focusing on action sports. And as I evolved in my career, they evolved in theirs. We started collaborating on some other stuff and, and things mesh, right? So we work heavily in the tactical industry, but we also work in active wear, active and wear. You've also done some stuff for the Navy SEAL foundation. Right, and, right. Uh, a lot of our friends, Jack Carr, yep. uh, you, you, you know, I saw your guys' piece on him. That was super cool up in the mountains in the snow. Yeah, man. That was really. We've fun. done a few pieces with him. He's a man. What a what a guy. Everybody I talk to about about him, he's legitimately the nicest guy I've ever met. <laughs> Most genuine <laughs> nicest guy I've ever met. Absolutely, always in a good mood too. Man, never seen him angry. It's no. kind of like kind of like Pastrana. Never seen Travis yeah. angry. I mean, I, See, I mean, I've seen him lightly irritated, but times when I thought that he could, you know, he had reason to be mad. He still was like, ah, you know, fuck it. 
<laughs> yeah. There's something about it, man. I, I, I got to learn that skill. Oh, so you and I were the same age. We yep. grew up skate, skateboarding, which then led us into a career in film. That's right. super interesting because I used to talk about this, you know, eight to 10 years ago saying, hey, do you know that there are a lot of really well-known DPs out there that came up from skateboarding? Yeah. And it, you know, I, I think it's a mindset thing that you get from skateboarding too. You get well, gritty. It's, it, I, I think it could be mindset, but it's also just, it's a sport where you're introduced and almost funneled into making videos at such an, a young age. Whereas by the time I was 13, 14, and was was starting to get semi-okay at skateboarding, what was the next evolution? You were trying to get sponsored by your local skate shop. Well, how do you do that? You have to show them a video of all the stuff that you can do. Well, it's not like a 14, 13-year-old has money to hire a videographer to make them their skate videos. So we all had to ask for camcorders for yep. Christmas and then had to figure this all out on our own. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, you see guys like Bam take off and then, you know, it, it was the perfect storm for skateboarding industry. You know, then the, the uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, all those things came out. It became, it became real. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that was that was almost the drive of the industry then. Um, yeah. And BAM is such an interesting story. And I'll run down this with you is, you know, I first came across BAM in 411 Video Magazine. Do you remember yep. that? Yeah. Okay. So 411. As a for little those, kid. He was a yeah, kid. Yes. 411 was like, number one, it was, it was 1199. So here's something me as 13, 14, and 15 can afford number like, like right out the gate. And then number two, it came out every, every month. Um, so it was like, you were always able to, to get something new for skateboarding that was video wise. Uh, were you buying them back then? Yeah. Mine were all bootleg. They had, they had labels on them, you know, so they were all written. So back then you could easily just burn VHS tape. So, you know, that's how mine were, but yeah, we, I had, I had, we watched them all the time. We would, uh, we would skate down to the mall and, because I lived up like at the top of the hill above our town. So you could literally get on your skateboard and just ride for about six miles into town. And then we yep. would try and take the bus back if we could. So we'd go down to Zoomies and, uh, and, and, and get the 411 and come back. And I, I, I just, I remember that specific episode, that, that actual uh, 411 where it was BAM. So he was on an amateur uh, highlight. Like they used to do the AM of the month or whatever. Like, Hey, yep. this is, this is a up and up and coming person. Um, and so it was the first time we had seen kind of the jackassery or jackass style video ever. I mean, old school skate videos, especially birdhouse, you know, birdhouse, was kind of the leader, you know, came, came up from Powell Peralta, Tony Hawk and all the boys, but Tony made sure that it was like the, the suit of skateboarding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. they were bird birdhouse, like was always kind of a little bit proper. I know they had a couple crazy dudes amongst the ranks for a while, like Andrew Reynolds and stuff like that. But, uh, but but then you kind of had Zero, who was, you know, Zero's video was misled youth. 
Yeah. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, man. It was, it was, it was quite, when, when, when I first saw Bam, him running around, I, did he start in the bathtub or something in that show? Didn't he start in his bathroom or something? They I think he woke, yeah, through? he woke up in the bathtub and cause it was a day in the life with Am Skater Bam Margera. Yeah. And that yeah. was when the first, you know, they were, they were in the pickup truck and it was, what would you do for Ricky Martin? I die yeah, for yeah, Ricky yeah. Martin. I don't see you yeah. dying, and he jumps out of the truck. <laughs> yeah, man, it was uh, and, and and stuff like that. Thank God, I think about it all the time, and you guys have embraced it. You know, I think about like, I'm glad that they didn't have social media then because of the <laughs> stuff that we filmed. I'm glad it didn't get out. I'm glad it wasn't digital. Um, I'm sure most of the people I grew up with is glad that it wasn't digital, but that was an inspirational thing. And, um, it really broke down a lot of barriers. Skateboarding in general has, um, that's what got me into business. That's what got me into everything. And, and like I said, it, it kind of makes you be innovative, uh, really gorilla shooting. You have to do a lot with less, I think is what it is. It's like, how can I do the most with less? Because even then it's a, even back in, in, I would say that skateboarding's highest times as a sport was probably 98 to 2003. Uh, yeah. You remember when Skate came out? Yeah. Uh, or Grind? Was it? Yeah, it was called Grind. The movie, the movie yeah. Grind. Yeah. 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 Like that was the first yeah, time was- Bam was in that movie. Tony Hawk was yeah. in that movie. Like that was the first time we saw a real feature film, like about legit skateboarding, you know, kicking out Gleaming the Cube, which is, you know, a whole different story. But right. uh, even in its prime, you still were kind of an offshoot sport. Action sports weren't mainstream at all then. I mean, X Games was born in your and mine, you're in my generation. Yeah. So it's still, you know, football, baseball, and all, all your, your standard sports took precedent over everything. They had the numbers. They had the audience. Everybody knew what football was. You know, skateboarding was still just kind of an offshoot. Yep. Um, but you and I saw the boom uh, around like 97 to 2002, where, you know, cities and counties started actually making skate parks and giving people a place to skate rather than kicking everybody out. Because, you know, that was, that was another reality of our childhood was how, how long can we skate at a place before we're chased off by security or property owners or cops? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. It was, it was quite the time I'm, 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 you know, I, I thought in my head that was it. That was all I wanted to do. I, I, I really thought that, uh, that was what I was going to be doing forever. Um, and I, I, but it was such a cool foundation to build on. And, uh, like I said, I think it gave me a mindset, even in my older years, when I did start lining up with guys that are doing heavy stuff on the other end of the spectrum, I could kind of align with, some of the mindset and just going after it. And that's why we've been able to continue to build based on a lot of those foundational things I got out of skateboarding. (laughs) Well, so tell me if you agree with this, because I've kind of, uh, I've been keeping tabs lately on the skate world because I feel like now that I look at drones, I look at these, uh, these first person drones, these action drones and GoPros with the internal stabilization and the ultra wide lens and all these things. It's like, 
to go back and do a skate video, you could make a skate video look like a skate video has never looked before in its entirety. Like yeah. to follow a guy as he's coming up a massive set to do a trick down a rail with one of these, F, these first person drones, like you could get shots that were, that were never even fathomed 20 years ago, but I haven't seen anybody do it yet. Yeah. I mean, I think that things have become so accessible. I don't know, you know, I don't follow it enough anymore. And, and, you know, I don't follow the industry enough anymore. I do think though, that you can put yourself in the best light now more than ever. And it's not just about technical ability, right? So if you can kind of check all the boxes, incredible filmmaking, really great personality, build yourself an audience, you're, you know, back then you had to be just a great skateboarder. It's a little bit different now. You know, your audience is leverage and, and you can create an audience and, and, and you've seen it happen over and over and over again with guys. Um, it, I, I don't follow it enough, but I would feel like there's going to be some young kids out there that are pushing the limits with it. Yeah. But I, I mean, we still see like uh day Wong song has like one of the largest Instagram accounts, but it's because of what he's doing. Like he is clipping you know, day one song knows how to do the most technical, crazy, you know, string of 15 seconds worth of a trick. And he's right. clipping that stuff for Instagram and it's blowing up because the younger crowd are, are going, what the hell? Where you and I grew up with day one doing all kinds of weird shit with exactly. a skateboard, but it works for social media. But I haven't seen that translate for anybody else. Even the big air guys, Beavers, Beaver Fleming and stuff like that. They're doing crazy things, but it's just not translating into social media as far as big numbers. Do you think the, do you think the market's as big anymore? Now that no, the, I think, I think the market is sank. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just taking El Paso, for example, where, uh, I used to live, um, they had, they had probably one of the biggest public skate parks I've ever seen in my life. And it was designed by Rob Deerdick himself. And it was an amazing park. It had everything from your vert stuff to your bowls, to your cement, you know, street. And then it had a whole street section that was like the, the dream ledges, the dream stairs that you wish you had, that, that you hoped had a good, a good, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, uh, angle or, or, or takeoff that you could, that you can get up to. And then a nice landing, like, Rob Deerdick designed it amazingly. And every day I drive by, it was empty. I don't know if that's skateboarding or if that's sports in general, man. I mean, I, like, I don't know if there's, I mean, they say that everybody's getting crushed. You know, you would think that things would go up right now. Yeah, I know outdoor is, 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 is killing it. You can't even buy a bike in most towns right now. Oh, wow. They're just sold yeah. out everywhere. But like, I don't know. I think it's probably people are playing video games more. And the market is so saturated with content. Yeah. And I think they're dancing instead yeah. of playing. I think kids are, I don't know. Well, I don't know I why mean, it happens. Yes. If you, if you, if you utilize traffic patterns, like kids rather watch people on Twitch play a video. They, you have more people that rather watch somebody play the video game, Tony Hawk's pro skater than you do actually want to go out and skate. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would be interested for us to talk to Woodward and see what the, the attendance and stuff like that is. Cause I'm, I'm sure you're like me. You dreamed Woodward Dude. was a dream as we were a kid. Wait, Dude. Woodward, a camp yeah. for skating. No way. Yeah. And th th there's one near your, your old headquarters though, right? Uh, Woodward? Yeah. yeah. They just yeah. built one in park city. 
Yeah. It was built by our friend, Nate Wessel, who, you know, I've gotten, and that, that's another really cool thing is I've gotten to meet everybody I grew up idolizing. Yeah. You know, I've gotten to spend, you know, you know one-on-one time with Bucky LASIK. He taught me how to drive my car. Like <laughs> when I first what got- What is that like? You know, do you, do you still get, cause I think about this sometimes I, before I even- have a meeting or something with these guys that I've always built up. I think it's because they've impacted me so much. I still at first kind of get the jitters. Oh, I, I am very, very appreciative of it. And I never will stop. I mean, I still, you know, we had Bucky LASIK come out to an event that we were doing a few years ago. And, and the day before, you know, he flew out and he was like, Hey, let's go, let's go drive around in your car. I'll give you some pointers. Like we drove around for almost four hours. It was like, yeah, absolutely. In my head, I'm going, this is super lucky. I can't believe that, 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 that I get to experience this. This is super cool. Like, so yeah, I'm still super like very appreciative of this. Like, because it's like, who gets to do this? <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Yeah. And you, you've been able to, um, what you've done is, is pretty awesome. I've just enjoyed watching the journey, uh, and what you guys have been able to build into, I mean, just taking product and content together. It's just, uh, it's awesome, man. What a time, what <laughs> well, a time thanks. to live in. Well, so tell us though, you know, explain to me some of the things, how you, how you, you know, took what you learned growing up skating and filming skating and stuff like that and how you still apply it today. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got to a point with skateboarding that I realized I was never going to be good enough to be pro, barely, like not even good enough to be sponsored. So, I, <laughs> I, you know, I wanted to film, wanted to film, wanted to film, and I became obsessed. And um, that obsession, I just wanted to get better and better and better. And then I ended up going to film school um, because I, I wanted, my dream was to be working with Vans and Billabong and all those guys. Um that obsession for skateboarding every day, every day, every day, trying to get better, trying to get better, pushing yourself, falling, getting up. You do, you kind of, failure becomes just, it's not failure, right? It's just a part of learning, getting better. So that mindset is what I've carried the most. And uh, after film school, we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and we wanted to be the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Then Brain Farm came along, who was doing How, how long sports. was your film school? Where'd you go to film school at? I went to LA film school. This was before they got bought by Full Sail. Okay. Um, so I would call it, a, it's a certificate. It's not even a bachelor's degree. It's worthless. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. If I was telling a kid, to do, should they go to film school? I'd say no. Yeah. It's expensive. I it gave me I a confidence. <laughs> it gave me confidence. And there wasn't as many tutorials and YouTube. There wasn't as many things then. I, I mean, would I have redone it differently? No. But would I tell a kid to go spend the money? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. But, but then that mindset is just what I've been able to apply. Yeah. Um, and, and do you feel like when you went through this program then, because obviously it's changed drastically in the last, even in the last like three or five years, like they're changing over to digital and things like that. Yeah. Like, did it, was it heavy on being able to manage a production side or was it heavy on the creative aspect of making a film? Because I mean, you and I both know now if we had courses that were geared towards the management of a production, we can use those way more than we'll use somebody trying to teach us how to be a DP. Yeah. It was a little bit of both. It was really fundamental. It was, it was whatever your focus was. I figured I would focus on producing just because, uh, you know, honestly, man, I was just wasting my time out there. I was partying and yeah, 
I half-assed it at best. So, so it was a little bit of everything. If, if, if you wanted a lot out of it, you could have got a lot out of it. There was the girl I graduated with Hannah Lux Davis. She's a director. She's directing like Ariana Grande, Nicki Minaj, all those music videos. And she dug in and she, she's, she's crushing it. And, um, uh, you know, I went with a couple of guys that focused on writing and they're writing for all the big shows. Um, me, it took me a while to just figure out what I wanted to do. Like I said, I was just, I was more interested in having fun than I was doing big things, you know? Yeah. And it took me a while to kind of elevate myself. So what kind of projects were you doing when you were, when you were in school? Did you have your, is it, is it a final like yeah, you your have final to- your final video, like like basically. Long story short, I, I started. I did a skate video called Demolition Death, and uh, it was really just a bunch of idiot stuff and in, in skateboarding. I made iron on shirts to promote it. The iron on shirts took off. So it was like still frames of us doing silly stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, those took off, and it turned into an apparel line. And I was like seventeen. I didn't realize you could even do this. And these things are <laughs> selling like hotcakes. And it was before, it was before social media and um, we're right on the cusp of MySpace, and we're kids and these things are selling like hotcakes. So I kind of held on to that. It, we started getting picked up in all the skate shops and all these other things. And I took that into film school. So the stuff that I was doing in film school was like commercials for that. And it was all commercial work and, and things along those lines for the clothing line. And it took till I got out to realize, man, I was doing commercials. I was doing, uh, promoting events, all the skate stuff. And, and those took off heavier than the clothing. So I just ditched that and started focused on filmmaking and, and the people that I met through filmmaking, whether it was the athletes or, um, the talent, that's what, that's what inspired me to really step the game up. When I saw people that were high performers, that's when it made me step my game up. I started stepping my game up there. And then we started meeting guys in other industries and that's what really pushed me. I and mean, yeah, built a team. I definitely see that advantage to the kind of big advantage of, of, of doing film school in that time frame was me to eat the networking, yeah. knowing the people like, like, especially, uh, then because, you know, LA offered a, a bunch of different programs, right? They had like a sound engineer program and things like yep. that. So for you to have those resources, cause that's one thing, you know, just from my path, having never gone to film school and used YouTube and tutorials and Andrew Kramer back in the day, you know, when video co-pilot first launched, like using those to teach me, the one thing I didn't have was a network of of experts or even people that were, were kind of on my path in the other, in the other arenas. So you kind of have to learn as you go and, and become, become a jack of all trades in this. Oh, I need to know a little bit about lighting. I need to know shooting. I need to know sound. I need to know mixing. I need to know post and effects and things like that. So it was like, yeah, that, that kind of, that was what took the longest, I think, was building that network of experts where I think, you, yeah, you probably had a, a nice advantage there growing up with everybody in school. Yeah. Well, it gave me the, the confidence, whether it was false confidence or real confidence, it gave me the confidence to think I had that. Um, but I, I think um, now more than ever, you need to be well-rounded, man. I mean, yeah. that that more than ever. So, you know, I, I just think that those specialty, be, becoming a director is not earning your stripes in the industry like it used to be, right? Like you worked your way up or studio this and studio that. Now you can you can be a kid with an iPhone that builds an awesome piece and you can become a legit director. Well, I yeah, barrier to entry is much easier now. Like if you're a talented, talented person 
and you can publish your work right away that gets seen by the right people, they're going to go, oh, I want that dude's eye. Yeah. Whereas before, I mean, God, do you remember what it was like? Yeah. Yeah. You remember grind when the, they give him the sponsor tape and he just throws it in a bin of, of hundreds of VHSs that no one's ever going to watch. Like, yeah, that's what, where it's now you make something that grabs its own audience and gets attention. You have a chance to just get cherry picked and say, you know, you could be a guy making music in your, in your bedroom and you shoot your own music video. And all of a sudden you're getting a phone call from some of the top musicians saying, I want you to do my next video. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I've it's seen real, some people man. where that happened to. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. And people that are, that are formally trained, um, getting outperformed by, by young guns, you know, for us, it was like, if we had a budget, I was spending the budget, blowing something up, wrecking a car, doing something just because I thought it was fun. But that gives you a leg up. Um, just pushing the limits, just pushing it, pushing it, breaking gear, breaking gear, you know, we've broken so many reds, you know, we've broken so many, um, but, uh, it is what it is. I, uh, yeah, I remember my first real hired paid gig, uh, me and my, my partner at the time that was doing it with me. We ended up making $168 on an $8,000 contract after rental, after gear rentals and yep. travel, software that we had to buy because we had a big problem with uh, the Panasonic footage back in the day when they had first went to their P3 cards or whatever it yep. was. Yep, like, I remember it. Like, and, and having to, you know, Final Cut wouldn't read them. Like, at the end of the whole process of months of work and... And we made 168 bucks. <laughs> so it's such a, so this is the most common thing I hear on like Instagram DMs and comments and stuff is people always go, oh my God, it looks so fun, you know, to just make videos with your friends and stuff like that. And you and I both know that productions are a whole different level of nightmare. So give me your worst nightmare of a production story. <laughs> Dude, I, uh, I can't, well, I, the, the, you know, so, you know, the pressure, right? I mean, yeah. you've, you've, you've played every role. These are, and it's all on your shoulders when you're out there. So it was our, it was a first, we, we had a project with Sig Sauer. It was a big project. It was when they launched the MCX. Um, and we were in San Diego at StratOps, you know, strategic operations out there. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a nine day production in record heat. And, uh, there's a lot of things we've done in, in the past screw ups and things like that. But this time my body failed. I was out there and I kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Dude, I got heat exhaustion. I start puking on set and I'm directing this. So like, you know, as a director, you gotta, you gotta be tight. And we were day like six or seven in I'm puking like they're, they're, they're having to kind of cool me off, do all these things. I was down and out for the whole shoot. We, I had to have my AD and my producer fill in for the rest of the shoot, but that was <laughs> the worst personal experience. I mean, we've, we've shattered cameras and lost footage. Bad, the loss, bad. the loss of footage. Yeah. The feeling you get when a oh card's missing. Gosh. <laughs> Dude, listen to this. So, so here's another story. This, this, so we had a big corporate client. I'm not going to talk about the names, but we had a big corporate client. They were big and their owner was getting married or no, he was, he was getting, he was not married. It was a birthday. It was some birthday. He's like, Hey, will you guys, will you guys film my birthday? And we're like, 
okay, you know, okay. whatever. We, so yeah, so we go to this thing and we shot it all in, in my, in one of our younger guys at the time, put it all on a hard drive. Back then we weren't double backing. We didn't have protocols. We didn't have all these things in place. He put it in the, in the pack bag, like not in our carry on or anything. It, it like got lost in shipment. We lost the footage. We lost, this is a one-time event. You're like, it's the worst. It's the worst experience. We ended up what? recovering it somewhere. We found, we recovered it from old cards and did all this stuff. But I'm telling you, man, every time we make good, thank God, every time we make a mistake, we try to learn from that yeah. and, and make sure that we don't do it. But we've had some bad ones, bad ones. Not running but. sound. You don't notice until halfway the day. You're, you're, you're and, half a day in. God. Your camera guy's like, hey, can we shoot that one again? I forgot to press record. I'm like, what? You forgot to press record. And then you got to try to fake it in front of everybody. Uh, See, oh, God. I got with the camera guy on a music video that was just pretending to film. And then it was a PA that was like, hey, do you, do you need a battery? Because that camera's not on. And he wasn't going to oh. say anything. <laughs> He, hey, it is tough to be that guy. It is tough to be that guy. I will say, but now we have like, because you guys are doing, you guys do most in-house, right? But you have teams that you tr you, yes. you, you bring yes. on freelancers partner, and stuff that you We trust. have partner teams, but everything is generally in-house. When we do the bigger stuff, we bring in guys like Corridor Digital and, yeah. and a production crew. Uh, for the Dan Crenshaw commercial that I just did, I uh, I brought in my friends that were that live with me in Florida. They've got a production company out of New Orleans and they're did you phenomenal. do that? You did that Dan Crenshaw spot? Yes. The, dude, that, that thing is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, nice. Yeah, I didn't and, know you did that. Me and a guy by the name of Joey Vesatka, who is one of the owners of Dream Seeker Productions out of New Orleans, they're all they're all on like that whole crew. It's 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 ingenious what they did because their whole crew is on a major network television series. And then they all got together since they've been, they're on their like ninth season together. Nice. So they all said, hey, we're now a production company too. So when we're not shooting, we're still shooting our own stuff, but they, they, they work flawlessly. It was amazing. Like, and it's because like you're dealing with a crew that is, that has had nine years together, that yep. there's no ego battles. There's no, I'm trying to be the most important on set. Everybody is set in their role and they just work and you make schedule, which was, you know, how important that is. Wait, we're on schedule. This is fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so having a, a team, great yeah, experience. Yeah, because when you work with just freelancers every time, they're, they're still great. But a team that is well-oiled, they they work day in and day out together. They know each other's every movement. I mean, that's the way to do it. That's and that's, how, that's the how Nitro Circus guys too. Like you will, you, you have to come and, 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 and observe one of their productions at some point with me because you will be so impressed. And it's because those guys have all been maintaining the same role for over a decade and they are, they are a well-oiled machine. Everybody yeah. is just on point every time. There's no fighting. There's no arguing. There's no rude. There's no rushing. There's none of this. Like, because they all, they've all been working together for so long. And, you know, the, the bad apples have treated themselves long before and the ones that stuck around were the ones that are good at this. So it was, it's yeah. really, it's really amazing to see. Yeah. And just like I talked about, like pulling a lot from skateboarding, since we evolved and started working with special operations, a lot of other things, like we kind of modeled a lot of the takeaways from that, a small elite trained team with world-class gear, then get in anywhere in the world and get the job done. And that's kind of how we're, 15, there's only 15 of us at Ironclad and we've just, we're the same way. It's just bang, 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 production, production, production. All of October, we've been on the road. Um, but we know 
how to do it, right? And and that's a huge asset, especially when you care about the people you're with. It's tough to be a freelancer, man. I don't I don't think I could do it. You know, you're bouncing from hotel to hotel. You don't know what crew you're with. Um, yeah, so, and, and and you're still, you know, you're just picking up a a job here, a job there, and it's like you you do you never know you never know where what you're going to be doing or how it's going to be. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want that. I I really like like that we kind of hunkered down with our crew and we all know how to work. And it, really, this year, 2020, has been the best year for us as far as uh, having very very successful productions because I think we all kind of, you know, for a while we all are so used to running and gunning and running our own little things that you ended up with nine directors on a set. And it took, yeah. it took conversations and, and AARs and stuff for us to go, okay, pull it back. There's no more nine directors on set. Like, like whoever's directing, we're naming them. Do not overstep on top of that. And it's just because we were so used to kind of the process of how we brought, how we brought everything up that it kind of got that way. But this year has been extremely effective because we've been able, we've, we've, we figured out our, our positions in which we excel. And then we, we hang out in the, in those boxes. You guys are, cause now, I mean, you know, I think probably more people know you for media than coffee. I mean, what would you say? I mean, how many viewers you're getting? I mean, you guys are crushing yeah, it with, yeah. with content. I would say for me specifically, uh, definitely it, the media and content aspect yeah, is a little bit and, bigger. And with that said, you know, have you had to, do you guys feel like you got a tight operation SOP wise with, with productions and things like that? Are you still evolving it every day or is it because you're really it's, now, it's, it's like the Red Bull media house, right? Yeah, like you it, guys are, are that. It's tight, but it, it definitely is evolving. Like we're, again, like we're, we, we tend to try a lot of different things in a cycle. And then we kind of fluidly move back and forth into what is more effective and what's working. You know, when COVID first started, we kind of split into three main groups and just said, okay, you, you produce with your team at your house, you produce with your team at your house and you produce with your team at your house make content. And then we all come together once a month to kind of do bigger things. Now that's kind of working, but moving forward, we've kind of maneuvered the pieces around a little bit more and saying, okay, this team is going to do this. This team is going to do this. And this team is going to do this because these are where your strengths are. So it's a constant evolution. And really it's just, we're, we're constantly looking at what works and why did it work and how did it work? So, you know, you, you have to look at your goals with some of these pieces, and I'll use the Crenshaw commercial as an example. The goal for that piece was, you know, Dan wanted to get uh, notoriety and eyeballs on these other candidates in Texas that generally people might not have even heard their name unless you're watching local TV channels all the time and see the ads running and stuff like that. Maybe you're going to miss it. So it was like, okay, how do we make something that has the potential to go viral and and get these names in people's heads so they know what their options are. Or they have the ability to at least search them and look up their policies and decide if they're somebody that they want to vote for. So it's like the same thing goes into Black Rifle content. It's, hey, is this piece because we want people at the end of the video to turn around and go sign up for the coffee club? Or do we just want to entertain them and then give them flashed branding throughout the video so they they know if they want a shirt, a hat or anything like that. They know where to go. Or is this is this something that that 
that we want to, you know, be a, a RTD product, but we want it to be hyper entertaining. So people tend to cling to that. For example, the uh, the World War II mortar team one with the right, right. with our ready to drink, like that was kind of merged with both. How do we create something that's so visually stimulating and cool and funny? Everybody wants to share it, but also at the end of it, they're going, I really want to try this product. Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, the, 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 you know, for the longest time I, uh, was just for, because I travel so much, I like the app, I can Starbucks bank, bank, bank. And it's just, it was so easy. Your brand. I was always a fan of the content, 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 content. And, um, I was like, man, I'm ordering. So I ordered and then I started drinking CAF by the way. And that (laughs) stuff, I love it. But, but the content, wins. It wins, man. It pushes it in your mind. It makes you want the gear. It makes you want everything. Um, your content is, is, uh, the hearts and minds, right? Like that's what it does. And and it, and it creates loyal, um, users. So I've enjoyed watching it. And I, I also have noticed the, the elevation of quality. I, I'm sure that's been something that you guys have focused on, but as a filmmaker, I'm always watching other people. How are they doing? What are they doing? Right. Um, trying to, to see what the industry's doing. So it's been, it's been fun to watch you guys continue to just push it. And, and the quality is just continuing to elevate. No, thank you. I, I, th- I'm really excited for you to see our next two releases. Uh, this Friday, we have our next Halloween video coming out, which I've I've watched and I'm so incredibly proud of. It's it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And it looks like nothing we've ever done before. And then right after that, you're going to get hit with Veterans vs. Sci-Fi, which is, we, we, we made a short film. And nice. we're really, you know, Matt is extremely, and Eli are very proud of it. Gallagher Scott, our DP on that one. Those guys have worked insane amount of hours to make this thing perfect. And we're priding ourselves on the fact that it was all done in-house, meaning yeah, we used huge. our own DP. We directed ourselves. We did our own costume. We did our own effects. Eli did all the visual effects. You know, Matt did most of the editing and got with Gallagher and Gallagher did all the shooting. So it's like, when you see this piece, like a ton of hours went into it and I'm excited for you to check it out. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Are you guys, um, are you guys like renting specialty gear and stuff? Are you renting lenses and things along those lines or do you just do whatever gear you have? No, in-house? we, uh, about a year ago, um, I bought two black magics. Matt got a black magic. Eli yeah. has a black magic. So we got four black magics. So we're shooting 4k raw with everything. We got two of the crane stabilizers and then we have, uh, we have a ton of Cineprimes that that we bought a while back ago for slow-mo footage. So we've just been uh, using our own gear and, yeah. and kind of rolling with it. And, you know, going from, you know this, going from the transition from a DSLR to a Cine camera is a crazy jump. And Dude, it's huge. you see the difference right away. <laughs> yeah, you see it right away. And man, it's just, it gives you a little bit more pride in everything you're doing as well. And I, I really enjoy it. Or, uh, you know, I don't want to get too techie, but I, yeah. the servers, <laughs> the servers are also something you always have to evolve. I mean, dude, we're, we got like 900 terabytes right now. And every time it's just, you know, we got to go to deep storage and all these other things, but, uh, the that's the hardest will part, catch man. Up I'll have to hit you up about that because I'm, I'm, I'm about to this try is- and make something for the house because I just need a way to access the stuff. 
Max Digital. Oh, you know, I don't want to, like I said, everyone listening to this and be like, what the hell are these guys talking about? But the <laughs> Max Digital, I'll introduce you to those guys. You know, the other thing that you should, that you could do is, is, and I think you, you can do this. This is what we did. We, we focused on like, one, I saw my PL, you know, us spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on gear, you know, every year. And I'm like, how can we save money on that and still evolve? Dude, brand ambassadorship, man. They send you all the new gear. You get to test things out. You get a you get a That's the thing I haven't gotten into yet. And I would love dude, to. Dude, you guys would you guys would crush it in that. You already know how to do it. You do it with everybody else. Now you be the ambassadors. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll you, I'll introduce you to all those guys. You would get along with all of them. And the thing is, they love like going out and having fun and, and just being Yeah, you just need to link up with them. And then you get all the fun stuff. Okay. Now, uh, what's your advice out there to anybody that is trying to do what you and I do? What would, what would be your one key piece to, to tell them, you know, if you're a young guy, you're, you know, if you're in high school, if you're in college right now, if you're young in the military and you're listening right now and you're interested in becoming someone that makes, makes videos, makes films, does movies eventually, what would you, what would you give them today? There's two things that I would say is one is, you know, don't be too much of an artist to, to, to optimize on a good opportunity, right? Like that's a big thing. Hey, you purists. hit the nail on the head because I know so many people that have missed so many big things oh, because man. they were, this is my art. Yeah. <laughs> Collaborate, man. Become, become friends with people. Collaborate, network and learn. Your, your dream evolves every day. Like the, the, like I said, I, my end all be all was skate videos. You know, I saw yeah right from from Spike. You know, I was like, man, I want to do that. And then and then I started doing stuff, and then it evolved, and then it evolved, and then it evolved, and I get to meet these cool people, and then it evolves. They have you have to show up. You have to show up and and just learn and and let your dream evolve. Give it an opportunity to. That would be one. And um, you know, the next one is like set real goals and hold yourself accountable. You have to do that. Otherwise you're going to be sitting on your mom's couch. You know, I, I think you can have fun doing it, but you got You got to set goals, hold yourself accountable. No, uh, I would say like one of the things that changed my work ethic and, and kind of attitude towards filmmaking was I, I had seen this, this, uh, Comic-Con interview with Quentin Tarantino and a guy asked him that question, what would be your advice to somebody that would love to be in your shoes someday? And he responded with, shoot, if you're not shooting, you're not getting better. He goes, too many, too many filmmakers get caught in their own head saying, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have the right script. I don't have the right actors. I don't have this. He goes, if you're sitting around waiting for the right things all the time, you're never going to get better at, at making films. And, you know, I took that to heart and I just started saying every day, I'm going to hit record on something and I'm going to get into Premiere and I'm going to learn something about Premiere that day. And I'm going to finish a finished product, you know, and I was digging through my hard drive yesterday and I found just all these little dumb videos that I was making, working with a slider, like, and a yeah. shot gun on my piano. And I just edited and colored this video of just, Hey, how can I maneuver this slider and put things in, in, in the foreground and give it a lot of depth and movement and things like that. And I just started remembering what it was like, you know, kind of testing myself all the time by saying, Hey, I'm shooting every day. And if you look at, you know, right, if you look at today, if I were to have a GoPro hero nine, or even just an, a new iPhone and a laptop, we have 10,000 times the equipment that Robert Rodriguez had when he made his first film. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're right, man. And, and dude, I, I'm sure you get DMs all the time about this. We get DMs at Ironclad all the time from young filmmakers 
saying that they don't have the equipment. Dude, we were doing over a million in business with a 7D, you know, with a <laughs> Canon 7D. And it, yes. so I, it's, it's not, it's just to your point, you just got to get out there and get it done. And, and, and honestly, it's not a saturated market. No. <laughs> no, and, and listen, I was the only to, one doing video in Pensacola when I was there. Like, like, it, like, it's so. easy to be a big fish in a small pond, and you don't have to be in LA anymore. And not only that, but if you're just a dependable person, yeah. you've already got a leg up and on you meet, And you meet your deadlines. Yeah. If you do those two things, yeah. like, you will make money in this industry. And it's yeah. only growing because you look at who needed videos done 20 years ago. To, to now who needs videos done now. Everybody wants a video. It doesn't matter if you're nobody, you want your Instagram to look cool. I'll pay you to make a video. Fuck it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is like the other, to that point, like if you're going to start, you know, get, get a hospital chain to pay you X a month to do stuff, but use that to get you to the next level. Exactly. Use, use it to buy equipment. To, Exactly. Attach purpose to what you're doing. Yeah. You know, get reps in, think on your feet, learn how to learn how to be experimental, you know, take risks, do all those things. Don't real estate videos, in. go shoot yeah. real estate videos are boring as yeah. hell, but go yeah. shoot them and use all that cash to buy better gear. And then you can exactly. start shooting all the shit that you don't want to shoot because you got exactly. all this nice gear now. <laughs> and that's the way to do it, man. But too many people, like I say, they get in their own way. That's not for me. I, and I, I get it. I get it. And, and use that as motivation. Take it to the next level. Oh, Jeremy. Well, where can people find you, your guys' stuff? I definitely want to point them to that Jack Carr piece that you did. It was an amazing piece. Uh, please tell tell the audience where they can they can find you guys. Yeah, um, on Instagram at this is ironclad um, or this is ironclad.com. Um, you can check us out. We did that piece with Jack Carr for all his for all his books. We did it with Jack Carr, really cool piece for Eagle. Um, uh, I recommend seeing those pieces. But yeah, at this is ironclad on Instagram. Awesome. And your website, just uh, uh, ironclad. This is ironclad.com. Awesome. Yeah. Cause uh, your website has a lot of your, the, the real nice pieces on there. Yeah. Well, Hey, thank you for, for coming on. This is, you know, uh, maybe people will like it. I had fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> they'll be like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't yeah, just Hey, but for 70s. real, I need it. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be on, man. And listen, I'm going to connect you with those guys at, at Red and Core and all, all the, all the companies. You I was looking at a Komodo yesterday. What do you think? You know, I, I don't know. I like, I'll find out. I like, like uh, to be honest, since I direct, I don't do as much tech stuff, but Hey man, it seems pretty cool. And then <laughs> free flies now coming out with those ultra slow-mos. I, I mean, a lot of people are evolving, so I'm excited to see and how they 2021. Are. Can we, uh, can we do something joint? Can you call yes, me up for it. something that you just want yeah. my eyes are riding on? I would love to, I would love to see what we, what we create together. Let's do something, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming cool. on, my man. Please, yeah, everybody, I appreciate check it. out Ironclad. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for, for being a guest. And this is Free Range American. <laughs> <laughs>